I'm really excited. I, I did prepare a preach, which I haven't used today. Normally by the evening service, I preached a few times, but today went a little differently. And God's been moving. It's been a very special day. So I'm really excited what he wants to do with us tonight. And we are coming to the conclusion of our We Are The Church series. And before I jump into that, please, if you are not baptized, 22nd of October, don't miss out. These are amazing moments and God does such special things. I've chatted to so many people who from the date of their baptism, there's just this testimonies. We want to be a people who tell testimonies. We want to tell testimonies because of faith in God. And baptism is just that statement that we make, a, a decision of obedience and faith, what God wants to do in our lives. So don't miss out that moment. And tonight, we're finishing with the church. So our trust has been good. Our trust has been helpful. Why preach a series about the church? Is it just to explain to people what it is about? No, I think to clarify some things about who and what the church is. There's been an identity crisis, as we've said a few times in and through the series. Is, is the church a preaching center? Is it a do-good club of people who try to live their lives really on a good moralistic line? Or is it a, a people that burst and burned out of fire because the Spirit of God burst in their midst? And because of what God has done in their midst, they're a dangerous group. You're a dangerous group of people. You got the Spirit of God inside you. You are designed and made to be a dangerous group of people. Church is not safe. If you think the church is a place I come because it's a safe space, no, it'll be a safe space for the hurting, but it's a safe space for the hurting in the midst of an army on the move. And I want to elevate our expectations of church. I think what the challenge is because the narrative about church has been so negative. It's been negative because leaders have fallen and movements have failed and there's been a whole bunch of challenges and no one is denying those things haven't happened. But the challenge is we can come in 2023 to a glorious God and have high expectations of God and really low expectations of church. And the problem is what you get saved into is really important. The people, the group, the, the, the church, the, the theology, the focus, that's really important in terms of our Christian walk. And so we're speaking to this because I'm telling you, not every church is exactly the same. You'll never hear me speak negatively. You'll never hear me speak against other churches. But God's called us to be a people on fire who are passionate not just about our own personal salvation, but the advancing of the kingdom of God in and through what Ephesians describes, the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. Man will never work it out that this crew of people who God puts together, we mixed up with broken people coming from all different backgrounds with a million things that should divide us, finding common ground. And so I love this series, and we kept jumping back and referring to Acts chapter 2 as something of a description of what happened at the birthing of the church. Jesus had died, he'd risen again, and in this moment in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God falls out upon the disciples. You think church is exciting, you think it's exciting when Muriel gets excited behind the microphone, you wait till tongues of fire fall upon heads in the room. That's what happened. And then you see the Spirit of God come upon these Actually, guys from different backgrounds, different stories, and many reasons to not be stepping into much in life. They get full of the Spirit of God, and you see Peter, this wimp who had denied Christ. What he just done. Denied Christ. That same wimp preaches the gospel with courage and faith in his heart, and 3,000 people get saved, and you have the church. They had no good lights. They had no good microphones. They didn't have good... Christian karaoke on Sundays, they had nothing. They just had the fire of the Spirit of God inside of them and the testimony of Jesus. That's all they had. And they started to change the world. 
and there have been highs and there have been lows and there have been good days in the church and there have been bad days but the church is still advancing it is still God's plan A and the church is still his bride that he's coming back and I think it's really really important that we as believers go on a journey of understanding that God's pull us into bigger stores and then there's this description immediately of what happens and the potential of what could be when God gets inside a motley group of people gathered for the church and these 3,000 gather and they begin to build the church. And this is the description of what was to follow. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Are your expectations of his bride on the move high enough? Are they? Do you have expectations not just of Jesus and his ability to save, but also the community, the son, wonder, his birth? See, I've got three boys. And my heart, greatest heart desire is they would encounter and find their place in a community of being believers. It can be big and it can be small. It can be in fancy buildings with aircon, or like myself, it can be in a circus tent in Durban in dust. When I was Judah's age, going to church, church was in a circus tent in the middle of Gravel Racecourse on a Sunday night with dust everywhere. I would literally go home. My mom would pick me up and say, how was church? She didn't come to my church. She went to a more fancy church. So she picked me up from church in a shirt that used to be white, and by the end of church, dust. Dust in our hair, dust in our faces. But when I tell the stories of that time, that's not the story I tell. Because that's not what changed my life. Was the songs we sang? To seeing God heal me. To seeing people who were dead in my life. It was seeing my own soul that was being pulled a million different ways and the lies of the enemy that was lying to me start to encounter the grace and the reality of a God who is alive and real. Being filled with the Spirit of God for the first time and realizing this stuff is dangerous, but I love it because it's God. Church, we're too tame. We've settled. And we need to raise our expectations, not just to the level and the one of who Jesus is, but also his community that gathers. Powerful community. I'm speaking to, to men and women in the room who've done church for years and served for years in different contexts. Some in Australia, some in Durbanville, some in different parts of the city, some in different parts of the nation. You've come year after year, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, of sown, and the challenge would be to maintain that fervency and that passion. I'm talking to those who come in the room and you don't know what this is. Is this some kind of support group that meets on a Sunday night with a message called Jesus? And that's the end. The message is everything. No, the, the message changes everything. Because of the essence of the message being Jesus. It changes the potential of relation, our relation. It means that a couple come from Australia because of a, a king named Jesus and come to the lives of Cape Town and invest into the youth in the city and many others. And the city's changed. It means that we give finances not because it's some religious right thing to do, but because it's my heart laid before a glorious king saying, God, let your gospel advance, and it's good for my heart. 
I've never and I will never manipulate anyone to give. The guys now actually forgot to take up the offerings at boat services this morning. Because that's not my job. To, and if we forget us, so what? Someone came up to me and said, oh, they forgot to take the offerings. Uh, why? Because God will provide for his church. I honestly believe it with everything inside him. But I'm telling you, it's good for my heart and it's good for your heart to partner in something bigger than ourselves called the local church and the advancing of the kingdom of God that blesses into the nations. And we get to partner beyond the walls of the church and partner into endeavors. We hosted the ward council and a whole bunch of other organizations yesterday. And everyone is selling their hot dogs and their burros rolls. And they said to me, you're not allowed to sell your burgers because everyone else is selling um, your coffee. Michael and the team were selling coffee, and I said, don't worry, it's fine. And we gave it all away. Someone came to you, you're selling your, you're not selling your hot chocolate. No, I'm not. Why? Because we are the church. Our source is Jesus, not people, and not us. And when our source is Jesus, we buy into more. So I really need to get to the scripture, but I'm excited. So I want to take us to Romans chapter 12, which was a scripture that I literally have based many massive decisions in my life on. But I've normally got stuck on the first two verses. But there's so much more to the scripture. So I want to take us there because it's the, if you don't know Romans, it's the incredible explanation of Paul about the gospel of grace and the wonder of grace and how we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin and we all come in the same way, broken and full of sin. But Jesus, fiction of the blood of Jesus, pulls us into something and he starts to speak. He says, guys, that community's got to look different. He starts to speak into the church of this chapter. He starts to say, but it's a different community. He says, he starts to speak, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. And then he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. So you've got to, there's some processes there. The first is do not be conformed. What are the patterns of our world? I'm the king. I worship myself. I'm the idol. Everything must bow to my knee. I'm entitled to it. Why would I give myself to some to another or to an organization? Why would I not? endeavor to build my name higher why would i lay my life down for my brother what was the very first issue outside of the god adam and eve you know all in clear shape there big leap so they go out what's the very first issue the very first is am i my brother's keeper he's just killed his brother it's the very first issue and it's still the biggest issue because we don't know how to be our brother's keeper and our sister's keepers. And I want to speak about that to something tonight. And it, it, as we navigate this incredible scripture, it continues in, in that Romans 12 scripture. It speaks about bringing your humble service to the body. And if you've got, if you've got the gift of serving, give. If you've got the gift of generosity, give away generously. You know how many people have come to me over my 15, 20 years of church leadership and said, I've got the gift of generosity, but I'm praying about it. Stop praying. Give. Because there's not a lack of need around. And when you trust the supplier and his ability to keep supplying, you won't stop. So if your gift is prophesying, prophesy. 
Stop waiting for the perfect audition, some white collared preacher to come into town because that's the moment everybody's going to prophesy. No, prophesy. And so we speak into these things and, and God speaks and he speaks about a love and actually says, verse 9, love must be sincere. Go and read it, Romans 12. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. Injustice, hate it. Prejudice, hate it. Don't dislike it. Don't be indifferent. Cling to what is good. And I told the story at the men's camp, but you only just need to see a Joburg person who's come to holiday in Durban holding on to the pier because they don't know what a rip is next to the pier to know what clinging is. They're clinging on. It says, be devoted. There's that word devoted again. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You want a strategy on how to navigate tough times? It's right there. Be joyful in hope. We, there's a project on the go here for the park next door. And there's some people who are really keen for it. And there's a whole bunch of people in the community. And one lady just came in yesterday. And she just started ripping everyone to shreds. Including the pastor of this church. Who she didn't know was standing right next to her. <laughs> and everyone knew. Except her. It was awesome. But she just. Everything was wrong. And everything's wrong. Why? Because she's lost hope. She's lost her hand. It says. Faithful in prayer, patient in affliction. You're under pressure, be patient. Has a way of dealing with in his time. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Romans was written to not us, but to a people in Rome. But let me tell you about the people in Rome. A, diver a diverse group of people, Jews and, and, and believers and Gentiles, they've all gathered. And, and they're from different ethnic backgrounds and they're shoved together in this thriving metropolis called Rome. Kind of like Cape Town, where 900,000 more people are coming, prepare yourself. That's what the stats say. That in the next five years, 900,000 more people will move into Cape Town. That's more than Bloemfontein. And they come into a city and, and you can imagine the challenges of relational dynamics and the church. When it affects outside the church, but the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 speaks about a, 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 a priest of all believers, these descriptions of the church. But one of the translations describes the church as this, a peculiar people. Say peculiar people. Imagine that on the front door. Welcome to church, a peculiar people. Because that's what we are. We're remotely proved God has gathered by His grace. Not the most gifted. Not the most well-behaved all the time. So I want to just speak to you for a few minutes for the next two verses. The title of my sermon is called Two Funerals and a Wedding. If you're of my age, you'll remember four weddings and a funeral. That was a British actor, more of a comedy. Mine was two funerals and a wedding. It says this in verse 15 of that beautiful scripture in Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. These are not suggestions. And I know we live in a world that don't like language like do not or do. It sounds like someone's telling you what to do. That's exactly what the apostles do. This is an imperative, and these are imperatives given to the church in Rome, and I believe to us today, on how to be the church, not how to be a Sunday meeting. Can I be brutally honest with you? Sundays are the easiest day of the week in the church. They are. Because we don't do funerals on Sundays. We don't do weddings on Sundays. Most people are generally reasonably happy on Sundays. It's Monday morning where it all goes wrong. And yet the Bible, the apostle speaks in this, says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I want to give some of you, I looked at some across the room, a bit younger in the room. So maybe you haven't known what it is to mourn, or maybe you have. So a wedding, and well, two funerals and a wedding. Two weeks, well, last Saturday, I got invited and, and my wife and I took the time out to fly to KZN and then hire a car and lots of expense and get down the south coast and stay in a funny place that used to be really cool. And, and so we realized that a bee invasion in our room. Another story for another day. But we got to celebrate a great friend of mine who used to be my pastor and still is my pastor. His name's Rory Dyer. His oldest son got married. I've known Mitchell his whole life. He used to be this big, now he's this big. Marrying the most beautiful girl who, yes, we keep it in the family. I know her dad too. He's also a pastor. I know, it looks bad. But I've known these families and I've seen the grace of God and the families by the grace of God. They have aligned paths and, and, and their, their, their two oldest children are getting married and we celebrated. And we told stories and we gathered and I realized I'm at the age where I get invited to weddings as friends of the parents and that's okay. It's a thing I've had to deal with. It kind of turned 40 and then you're no longer you're friends of the parents. It's fine. But we, the story started to be told and the younger brothers started to tell their speeches about their older brother and they were honoring and they were funny and a poem was said and gifts were given and it was glorious. It was beautiful and we were there to celebrate. And so we rejoiced with those who were rejoicing. But about a meter away from me, sitting opposite me at the table, was my friend named Chris Tatoy. Chris Tatoy, I've been in church with for 30 years. Chris and Wanda Tatoy, who we had the privilege of being on eldership with. Chris, the guy who is partly the reason I'm in ministry. Because when I was younger, he offered me a business. And in processing that decision, I realized God had called me to preach the gospel. So our lives have been intertwined. And Chris Tatoy, whose daughter passed away, lost. And we were sitting in a, at a wedding, celebrating. And two days later, I'd be singing at his daughter's feet. But in that moment, we were able to sit together. There were moments of tears, but we were also celebrating what had done for our friend Cindy. Then on Sunday, we went to their house and we cried. And then we ate together. And then on Monday, we celebrated the life of his daughter. And I was so proud of my friend. Our friends, person wondered it's where he spoke the goodness of God, of a God who doesn't make mistakes, of a God who is faithful and kind, and although we don't have the answers, and we probably will never get the answers the side of eternity, there is a God who holds our eternity. And as I got up to lead worship, I looked back and I saw Jenny Amber from this church. You got in a plane, 
to fly up on the Sunday to make 400 cupcakes. So they'd be cupcakes. Gabby's funeral. Let's tell you about the church. I'm not telling you about preachers. I'm telling you about series. I'm telling you about the church. Saturday we laughed. We celebrated years, hundreds of years of cumulative friendship. The union of a beautiful young couple. We devoted ourselves to make sure that they honored their vows, that we'd remind them of their vows one day. Because we were there when they said it. And then on Monday we stood to get up to lead worship. And I realized I was right on the edge of the stage, right next to where my friend was sitting. And I just felt that it was too much. So I tried to navigate my way to the other side of the stage and I couldn't get there. So I had to lead worship with my friend just lost in a door to Russian. Do we wept? Do we mourn? Then I got back late on Monday night. And on Wednesday, we stood with Simona who celebrated the sacred the life of her dad and mourned the loss of her father. You know what was amazing about Simona's father's funeral? I've never met Simona's father. But as I looked across the people in the room, most of them are people that Simona's probably met in the last year in this church room. They'd never met her father. They came to stand for someone they'd grown to love for, cared for, on its stand with. Welcome to the church. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That should be on the front door of the church. But people don't like that because it's hard. Which one do you think is harder? Most people say the mourning part, eh? No one likes crying. And I spent the best part of 36 hours. I sat down to my big boy Ben's play and they were both in the play, but Ben had the lead role of Hansel was important. He was little German clothes. Was he good? He was good. But five minutes into the start before Benham came on stage, I got a phone call from Lisbon. It was my friends, person one to do it, because their daughter's been in an accident. She actually had art and but I go to the hospital. I spent the next the best part of thirty six hours sitting in a floor outside ICU trying to foster people I don't know from around the world to start to gather. I'm not saying it's easy. To be brutally honest, I think in this world, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing is harder. Remember rejoicing with those who fell pregnant within months of getting married while we struggled for years. And my heart rejoiced, but it didn't mean it was easy. And rejoicing with those who in the church get jobs seemingly overnight, and yet I know there are people in the community who have sent more than a thousand CVs out, and it hasn't happened yet. Think that rejoicing is costly. To rejoice with those who are rejoicing is costly. But it's godly. And it's glorious. To stand and to mourn with those who are mourning has to be one of the greatest privileges in this life. As I stood up to lead worship at this funeral, I looked out and I realized three rows back, couple. Peter says, we lost a little boy named Joel, brain cancer, in my first year of being a pastor. It's been the best part of two, three weeks in ICU in Durban, praying for that boy. I really felt like he would be killed. 
felt, uh, uh, to be honest, after that whole process, I wanted to hang up my boots. Like to go back and solve things, that's easier. But church, not Sunday meetings, not talking about Sunday meetings. I'm not talking about high emotion, just I'm not talking about organizational religion. I'm talking about the church. Talk about men and women that we will rejoice with when they rejoice. I'm talking about men and women who we will mourn with when they mourn. I'm talking about people we'll share our lives with, our finances with, our time, our energy with. It's far more than some of it. Why do we encourage the church to join life groups? We grow more in smaller city. Because people get seen more in smaller cities. Because they get loved more in smaller cities. Why do we encourage people to marriage Mondays? Because marriages are struggling right now. And it sounds like we're doing something light and fluffy, but we're not. We're, we're battling on the forefront of the biggest war of our age. As there is an attack on marriage, God's design. So we're going to fight for marriage. Why do we call the church to pray and fall? Because we believe in signs and wonders and miracles and the privilege of the church of God. You know when it'll happen? And when revival will start? Because I've seen, I've seen people that get the devil out of Durban. I think the devil's still in Durban. I heard one cranny used to pray at every prayer meeting. I mean, oh, the devil's still here. And then we see miracles. When we learn to rejoice with those who rejoice to honestly mourn those who mourn. And our tears will come and our tears will go. And it'll feel like it's prostitutes too much sometimes, it's sometimes that. But on the other side of it all, it's a bridegroom named Jesus coming back for this bride. That although his bride is not perfect now, she's a bit broken, it's a bit bruised. She's got people who are on a journey, part of it. Then he returned, it's he'll return for a spotless blood, covered by his grace, his goodies. Wow. You and I have the privilege, privilege, being a part of that story. Now we do it, so it is us. Joyce with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn.